This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Mackenzie Casey. What an incredible 20-something. She's the founder and CEO of Hum, the fashion and social app that allows women to rent their high-end designer fashion. The vastly popular app features celebrities' closets where all proceeds are donated to the company's foundation, the Hum Foundation. Hum launched in Australia last year, is launching in the US at the end of this year, and Europe mid-2018. Mackenzie was recently listed as number 22 in Startup Grind's Top 50 Millennial Founders to Watch in 2018. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Mackenzie in New York City and learning of her journey and her story to becoming a 20-something-year-old business owner. Take a listen. Mackenzie, welcome to The Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, you and I actually go way back. So I think the first time we met was on the athletics track um, at some point in high school back in Melbourne. Um, And since then, our our paths have actually crossed many times. Um, You know, first year uni, we just so happened we were doing the same course. (laughs) Um, you know, yeah. obviously our friendship, our social circles are very intertwined. Um, and then, you know, we, our time studying in Shanghai several years ago, and now here we are in New York. Um, so I just, look I how think, far we've come. I know. I, I think that's what I love about us, how we, our paths just keep crossing. Um, so before we get into your work, I want to start with a question, which I've often been, uh, found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is... What, do you like, what did you love to do as a child and how did this impact the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Okay, well, first, that's a great question. Um, I think when I was younger, um, I mean, I remember my mum and dad always telling me that I, I always wanted to do everything before I was supposed to. So I was a very active kid, um, worked really hard in school, um, was very involved in athletics and sports, but from wanting to go out to nightclubs when I was 15 years old and hanging out with my brother's older friends and to, um, I mean, wanting to start a business halfway in through, through university, I mean, I've always just wanted to do, to do things before I'm um, supposed to, so to speak. But um, yeah, it was a very, um, very active child and um, I think very determined. So that's definitely helped me with um, 
my business and being able to, I think also being, having two older brothers, being able to, you know, take things on the chin and, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if there's conflicts that come up and issues which obviously happens most days as an entrepreneur and um, just learning about tackling that, copying on the chin and um, learning from that mistake and moving on very quickly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, wow. So talk, give me an example of one of the things, and I know you mentioned a few, you know, wanting to go to nightclubs earlier than <laughs> you're supposed to and, and whatnot, but what, give us, walk us through a real example of, of something that happened where, you know, you realise, wow, maybe I am, maybe I am a bit progressed than, than maybe the people around me. Um, I think it's definitely, when I was younger, um, I mean, being in that space where I was always wanting to excel to the next level, um, whether it was in school, um, I'm trying to think of a particular moment. I think it was probably, even when I was actually, I was, I think in year five um, of school and I was going off to, it was the first time I was ever accepted to States and my family were going on an overseas trip. And I put my foot down and I was like, I've worked really hard for this. This is what I really want to do and I'm going to do it. I don't care if we booked overseas flights and I was very determined. I ended up learning that um, I didn't end up doing it, but um, <laughs> I ended up going on the, the overseas trip, which uh, in hindsight, as um, a 12-year-old, was probably the, the smarter move to make. Uh, wasn't one of my biggest regrets I've ever had. But um, just, yeah, was very, very determined and just whenever I put my mind to something, I really, really gave it my all. And I think um, I wasn't really... I mean, I was a good student, but I just didn't, wasn't thrilled about the, the work environment I was in. I was always wanting, I was always kind of sick of school, wasn't the biggest fan of it, and um, really just couldn't wait to get on and do something, um, whether it be create my business or just get into the workforce. And I was always wanting to do the next thing. Um, and so I think working in that constrained school environment really didn't didn't work for me and being constrained at all um wasn't really my wasn't really my forte so yeah sure <laughs> okay so let's dive a bit deeper into that time at school so obviously you went to a, you know an all girls private prep school in in melbourne what you said that you know you just didn't like being constrained were there any time were there was there a time at school where you really felt challenged and you know I saw that you excelled quite a bit in maths um which blends to your accounting degree but talk to us a bit about a time that you were really challenged at school um well I mean going on to um like mathematics um I was always in the excelled program and competing with a lot of very smart people. Um, so, I mean, whether it was within academics or sports, um, I mean, for an example, with, with sport, I was um, offered to be athletics. I was actually talking to my coach at the start of the year and he knew that I really wanted to be track and field captain. And he made it very clear to me that I had to do cross country before I, before I did it to uh, get to know the younger girls and everything else, which, you know me, I can, I've been told by coaches I'm not even fit enough to run 100 metres. <laughs> so the idea of cross country was 
Not exactly uh, a thrilling, yeah, moment. But um, so, but yeah, I had to. I realised that it was something I had to do, and so I had to get up every morning at six a.m. and go down to training and watch these eleven, twelve-year-old girls run laps around me, and it was um, a bit disheartening. But um, in the end, I ended up um, persevering and getting ended up being elected captain. So, I mean, it's just really about. Also having that sacrifice as well and doing things that you, you don't always want to do, but um, the, the result was, was definitely worth it. Mm. So let's talk a bit about um, your role as athletics captain. You also had another leadership role that year. I think it was house captain. Um, talk, to, talk to us about what you learned about yourself from that role and that leadership position, and then what skill you took away in terms of being a good leader and that you've applied to perhaps your business today? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, definitely, I mean, as house and sport, um, house captain and athletics captain, I learned very quickly to put others before myself and to be, I mean, to be organised, which also definitely um, falls over into the, to the entrepreneurship side of things. And I mean, putting yourself before others is definitely something that I really value in a leader. Um, being able to, to push people and encourage people and to, to sell the dream as well, which you can also, that translates into, into business, where, I mean, at the moment where you're hiring and you're trying to create a culture, and, but you're also building this brand, it's really important that you encourage everyone to to also um, build that culture with you and um, to, to push them to, to do better as well. So that, that's probably the biggest thing that I learned while um, in my role as house captain, athletic captain. Sure. Great takeaways. I think that's something really profound to know at such a young age and to be able to look back on that now and think, wow, it was really that time that I learned those skills. So let's go a bit more into your first, you know, job role. So actually one thing that really struck me when I looked into your, um, your working past (laughs) was that, um, so let's just, I think it went all the way back to when you were 16 and you had, I mean, in Australia, we had this thing called, um, work experience week. And I saw that for your work experience, you went, so we are from Melbourne and, um, Obviously, Sydney's an hour away by flight, but you went up to Sydney for your work experience. T- talk to me about how that was even an option, how you got that, made that happen for yourself, and what you learned from that experience. It's actually, it's it's very funny. And it's, it's hilarious that you brought that up because it actually wasn't an option. Um, a part of our school um, work experience um, requirements was that it actually had to be in Melbourne. Oh, and no. <laughs> Yes. And so going back to uh, being the very determined, um, doesn't matter whether, whether it's in the rules or not, I will, I will try my hardest to get, to get what I want. So I actually ended up doing work experience in Melbourne with another company, but then missing the compulsory year 10 school camp to Central Australia and saying, well, too bad, I'm going to do this internship. I've gotten this amazing experience. I've worked my ass off to, to get this. And 
I mean, it, it was a great experience. It was a real eye opener, especially because working in a, a fashion magazine, even though it was just for a week. Um, there, I mean, as you know, there is, we've all watched The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> and not only was I, was I uh, the, the coffee bitch, I was <laughs> the, the interns bitch as well. So I did, didn't really learn a whole lot that week. It was more so filing and running errands. But I mean, I did learn a very valuable lesson where, um, I mean, you really, you really just have to try and get your foot in the door any, anywhere. And through hard work and perseverance, you, you have to work your way up, which was a great lesson I learned. But in saying that, that wasn't, wasn't something for me and I never really wanted to, never really saw myself doing that. And that's where I started to really look towards entrepreneurship and that being something, a path that I would love to go down. Mm, for sure. I can only imagine, you know, young Mackenzie running around filling out people's coffees, thinking, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. Yes, um, and I was wearing the most high fashion. Uh, I planned my whole outfits and everything for the entire week. <laughs> I was one of the only people strutting around in heels as a 15, 16-year-old and, um, yeah, I even bought some new outfits before <laughs> I was... My idea of what a fashion magazine was um, did not exactly align with um, reality. Yeah, but I mean, we've all got to learn at some point. So that's that's amazing that you learned so young. Um, so something else, so yeah, so another internship or, yeah, I think actually the main, your first real one, I would call it, um, was when you were the sales and marketing and design in the sales and marketing design department at Roxy. Um, and you were also very young at this point. You were 17, I think, 17, 18. And you said in your LinkedIn bureau about this that, um, your internship here was very hands-on and that you, yeah, and that you really got to get insight into the three departments. So obviously contrasting with your previous experience, um, I think you were very determined to make sure that was the case. Talk to us a bit about what you enjoy most about your time during your time at Roxy and what you learned about business in general. Yeah. Um, well, it was it was very handy actually. My my auntie was the head of sales for Roxy Australasia. So, um, for for all of your listeners, it's a, it's an incredibly important lesson to just leverage your network. Um, I mean, a lot of people, and what I've had to learn over the years is, despite whether you you have too much pride or you you feel too nervous about asking for something, I mean, there's a thousand other people out there that's going to ask. And so you need to you need to put yourself out there in order to to receive. So I um I asked my auntie. I sent her through my very little resume at the time, and she said, "Sure, come on, come on for the week for work experience." So I worked there as an intern for the week, and I was very fortunate to be able to touch on the three um the three departments of marketing, um, sales, and was design and so with my auntie working in sales I got to work really hands-on got to actually go out on the road and meet with some of the the whole sailors and the retailers getting a bit more of an understanding about how they actually sell their product and how they obviously with the decline um, in the retail industry especially I mean we've all heard about billabong and everything else and the decline in uh, 
their sales and revenue. And it was, I, I got an insight to how important it was and certain wording that you can use to really sell um, the, those items where they're, everyone's cutting down and everyone's cutting back, but they've got quotas that they need to meet and how to um, leverage what, what skill set they have to be able to um, sell their, their, re, I mean, their, their retail items for that season and meet their quota. Um, also got to sit in on a few meetings with, with marketing and deciding on particular designs and patterns for the, the, the upcoming season's um, swimwear line. So that was really interesting and you got to see how even though creatives um, are not really known, um, I mean, they're, they're very design focused, it was interesting to see the conversation between everyone sitting in the boardroom and how they not only took their own personal opinions on the designs, but um, also factored in the, the upcoming trends and everything else. So I was actually fortunate enough to, to go through, I think it was maybe something just for me to do, but I went through and created a, an extensive mood board for them for their upcoming season was really fascinating to see as well where the sales were working on the current season, the marketing was working on the, the following season after that, and then the design were obviously um, three seasons ahead. So it was really interesting to see how all of these departments were working on, I mean, totally different um, sets of inventory, but also all working collectively with one another. And that's also when I gained insight into how a lot of, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're in sales or marketing or design or development, it's really important to have that collaborative working environment in order to, to make sure that everyone's on the same page. So that's something that um, I've really wanted to, to do with our company as it grows and make that open collaborative space where everyone doesn't work behind closed doors and keeping everything really open. So, I mean, it was only a week at Roxy, but I, I definitely learnt a lot. And also seeing these amazing um, women that were in these leadership roles and having such enthusiasm and I mean a business mindset and were but also had that laid back um surfer chick vibe which I I naturally fell in love with yeah wow what an incredible experience for you at such a young age I want to know I'm curious to know you said that obviously you had these mentors within the company who you kind of wanted to be like is there you know, is there another mentor that stands out to you in your mind? Um, you know, obviously since that time, that was, you were 17 at that time. Since then, that has really helped shape, you know, how you view the world and how you view business. Yeah. Well, my, I would definitely say my auntie is definitely a big mentor for me. She actually now works at um, Louis Vuitton Merchandising House. And she, she's been a real inspiration to me where to keep, to keep your true self. She's very spiritual. She now lives up in Byron Bay with my uncle, who's a bit of a yogi and everything else. But she also has that that business go-getting fire and and she really grinds and hustles to, I mean, to really go wherever and do what do and get what she wants, which um, I really related to her um, on that level. But I also I also really admired from her that she kept that I mean I, I always feel that a lot of 
lot of entrepreneurs and everything when they when they gain like stardom or as in this day and age entrepreneurs and startup founders kind of become rock stars in their industry and I I really thought that it was really important to to not lose sight of I mean being just being yourself and being um being a loving caring understanding person I also think that makes you a great leader as well um but in terms of more professional mentors of mine um, I've been very fortunate to, to connect with some amazing people here in New York. And a lot of them have just been by, by me reaching out to them totally out of the blue. And that is something that I think your, your listeners should, should really, um, they take one thing from this interview is just to reach out to people. I mean, I know it sounds a bit weird to randomly email someone or find their LinkedIn and to, to message them from there, but I mean, you will find that a lot of these people that are experts in their industry are more than willing to help out younger um, individuals and and give you that time. So um, two of my mentors um, who are actually on my board of advisors for my company are um, the, one of the co-founders of Thinks, which is a, yeah, a period-proof underwear company, which was Time Magazine's top 50 latest inventions last year she's amazing um she she's very good she also has that that very similar energy and personality to my auntie which I naturally very much relate to and the second one is the founder of a company called Glam Squad which is an on-demand beauty app so it has a very synergetic relationship to to my company and he he has been very insightful from everything from um, hiring to raising capital to, I mean, very he's very much big on the the idea of keeping your startup very lean as well, which is obviously a concept developed by Eric Rise from um, the Lean Startup, which is definitely a book your readers should should check out. Love that! Wow, I love how you even decided to create a board of advisors. It's, I don't often think people think that, you know, I think. I think people often think, oh, that person won't have time for me or, you know, that even that one coffee date I've asked for is too much. But I love how you just kept pushing forward and just thought, you know, my time is as valuable as theirs. And you are obviously very appreciative. But I think, as you said, it's definitely something that I'm taking away from this and that I think, um, yeah, all of our peers out there um, will as well. So you've got to be pushy. You've got to be pushy to get what you want. Um, even with you, just got to. If they don't respond to your first email, I mean that's life. They're busy. You've got to think that it's it's nothing against you. But if you've got to send follow up emails, you've got to push to get your your foot in the door. And um, that's what separates the the people that have gone on to be incredibly successful to to others. So yeah, that's yeah. definitely something yeah. that you all should do. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay, great. So. I want to get into your stint. You had actually quite a quite a few inter- internships and leadership roles in the area of promotion and um, event management. So let's just talk a bit about your passion for that. Um, and perhaps I've got so many listed here. I, you know, you were the MC at the Grand Prix presenter for two years in a row. You know, you did um, promo work for, you know, Tizzo Grind Girl, um, as a Tizzo Grind Girl, sorry. And yeah, so let, like, there's so many, it's phenomenal. So I, I just want to go into that phase of your life. Um, and yeah, 
let's, I think let's firstly deep dive into one of your most um, exceptional experiences during that time. Okay, <laughs> most exceptional experience at that time. Well, I was currently studying at university, which I was at um, Monash University, studying Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in International Commerce, and then Bachelor of Arts, majoring in International Studies, and minoring in Journalism. And I mean, as I, I don't know whether your, your listeners are predominantly Australian, but um, for all of those that, that are not um, Australian universities, you can kind of get your way around things by just going to university a couple of days a week. So I was a little bit cheeky like that and only was at university about one to two days a week. And in the meantime, I was wanting to buy clothes. I was wanting to go overseas. I was knew I was wanting to start a business, so I needed to start saving and I wanted a job that was going to be fun and easy and something I really enjoyed and that naturally fell into um, MC and promotional work and as you know I love to I love to talk so I was I was really fortunate um, I managed to um, get a, an interview at a few different and jobs at a few different promotional agencies and then worked my way up to um, be becoming a MC for the entertainment era at the Australian Grand Prix which was was a really amazing experience I remember the first day I was so nervous like I mean I I felt sick to my stomach because there was these speakers around the whole ground and my voice would be heard everywhere. And I mean, I started off slow and a little bit, a little bit sheepish. And by the end of the day, I was grinding and, and yelling into the microphone, trying to rile everybody up. And I think throwing myself in the deep end and also, I mean, I was not qualified for that job at all. And I kind of, ended up just selling myself and lying a little bit along the way but you know what I think actually I read this um I forget what the exact uh, percentages are but it says that a lot of um women actually I think it's like 80 or 90 percent of women actually don't um don't apply for jobs that they actually have the skill set for but then 90 to 80 percent of men apply for jobs that they don't even have the skill set for and they're always looking ahead because they don't they have that that confidence in being like you know what I'll learn along the way and I think women tend to think that oh well maybe like I need to get a bit more experience no you do not need to do that you can learn along the way like I mean if there's another guy out there doing that then you should do it as well so I really um took that took that concept to the next level and somehow managed to get this this job, which was a really great experience. It really helped me with um, learning how to public speak, which has definitely come in handy with presenting for um, startup competitions, talking to investors and things that can be very nerve wracking. Um, and so from there, I actually ended up using that experience that I had to then leapfrog um, to my next job, which was working as a street team presenter and host at KISS 101.1, which was a really amazing experience. And again, uh, it was something where I was making great money to pretty much just have fun with a, with a bunch of awesome individuals and, and make some money while I was, um, while I was at uni studying. I love 
love it. <laughs> I love it. Just want to give everyone some context. So the degrees that we we're doing business and you know, obviously arts as well. Um, they, it's, they push a lot, you know, I'm not sure if you've, you've experienced this, Mackenzie, but they push a lot the traditional path of what to do. And, you know, during this time, well, you're just absolutely loving life, being the MC um, at the Grand Prix, you know, people like myself were, were sitting in internships, really not enjoying, you know, the the background of it or, you know, just thinking that that's what we should be doing as, you know, a commerce student or a finance student or an international studies student. What advice would you give to um, all of our peers out there listening um, who, you know, who just think, well, I do this degree, you know, I have to do this type of internship or that type of internship. What advice would you give to them? I would definitely start off by saying that um, the entrepreneurship road isn't isn't for everyone, and it's. I know it's something that's almost become a trend in itself, but and I think it's been a little sensationalised by by the media and success stories, and they don't really tell people about the the times where a lot of businesses with great ideas have failed. So I guess my, my biggest advice would be to, while, while you're studying at uni, and I know that traveling and everything sounds amazing, but take some time to actually get those internships. I know you might not learn a whole lot, but get those internships and, and message and email people that are going to expand your skill set and add to your to your list of expertise I think that's really important which a lot of um a lot of Americans and um university students do do um they they do at least two internships a year and I think it's not so much about just the I mean the piece of paper but also just learning and expanding your your network and and your um your skills and resources my other piece of advice would be to, I mean, it, it depends. It's, it's always whether if someone wants to go on that traditional path, it, it is spelled out by the university. You need to get your internships. You need to get reference letters. You need to ask maybe university lecturers for, for references. And then you go on that traditional path of, um, of the interview process. And then you get the, the low level job and then you work your way up. And while that is for some people, it's not for everyone. And I think for, I mean, it wasn't for me. And so I didn't really focus on on that element. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I needed to save money for something. And I've always wanted to start my own business. I just really wasn't sure what it was. And so my my aim and my goal was to, to make as many connections as possible, whether it be in whatever industry, to get a few internships here, there, everywhere on the side, which varied in skill set as well. So, for example, like I mean, if you you want to go into real estate and you've only done, I don't know, and you've always done real estate internships, but then you you cut and be like, actually, I want to do accounting or be a social media manager. I mean, I think that's. I mean, at 18 years old, we don't know what we want to do. And I think it's really important to diversify your, your experience and, and what internships you get and what people you're connected with as well. Because, I mean, the last thing that, that I, would, I would hate for, to see someone to 
be almost graduating and then suddenly have a change of change of heart and want to do something else and they don't have that skill set. So I think it's really important to, to just kind of plan for everything, do the marketing, do the accounting, do do everything. And I mean, whether it comes in handy immediately or not, I mean, who knows, but you, you will have that skill set which will help for, for other roles later in life. Mm. And I think that's really important. Mm. Yeah, wow. That is, this is just some, some great advice you're giving. <laughs> I'm slowly taking it in, as I'm sure all of the listeners are as well. So I just want to back up a little bit to the, your KISS, your time at KISS. Now, for everyone who's listening and is unsure what KISS is, KISS is one of, I would say, probably one of the top three radio stations in Melbourne, um, in Australia. And so hearing that you were a presenter on that, and when I, when I read that and researched that, that's phenomenal. Talk to, talk to us about um, how you leveraged, I mean, we're talking a lot about networks, but you did, you know, how did you use your networks to, to get this gig? And where do you think that led you in terms of you kind of figuring out what it was that you actually wanted to do? So I, straight after my stint with the Australian Grand Prix, I saw that this came up and I, I immediately jumped at it. I was thinking that I wasn't very qualified for it and I actually ended up going in and having a talk with the, um, the two interview, um, interviewers and at the end of it they actually immediately told me that I got the role and said that I was actually overqualified for it, which, or like more than qualified for it, not overqualified, but I was so surprised because I went in thinking that my current resume wasn't good enough which I think a lot of people really relate to. And I think I also spent an insane amount of time on my resume. I don't be afraid to fluff things up a little bit. I know any interviewer would advise against that and any probably adult would advise against that. But I mean, I think as, I mean, women especially, but I think, I mean, I think everyone really tones down on what they think. I mean, okay, well, I'm good at Excel, but am I actually really, really good at it? Like, am I, if I, have I done a course in it? No, but it's just like, learn along the way. If you have that passion and that, that, and you thrive to, to gain that knowledge, then you're going to be able to learn very quickly. And if it's, it's a role that you really, really want, which was what I wanted with KISS 101, I really put the Australian Grand Prix um, entertainment MC work at the forefront and really push that. I mean, I've had experience being up on stage. I mean, I was only up on stage for, I mean, a couple of minutes and then I was doing more walking around and actually MC. But you fluff it up. And it ended up landing me the role and I got to work with some amazing people. Um, I actually, so I originally started off on the straight team. So we take cars out and then we go and do crosses to live radio about those events. And it was great. It was a great opportunity to, to socialize and meet some, some really great people that have very similar personalities to me, which was a bit of fun. And, but also then I, I made my, I made a lot of efforts to try and get my foot in the door and the, not so much for the production side, but, um, 
doing a bit of admin work here and there as well because I wanted to learn more about what actually goes into creating that radio station. And I mean, I never really wanted to go into radio, but I mean, I just, I wanted to learn it. And I mean, the skills that I learned there, even when cold calling people to try and get on the radio and so many things that people don't actually know about what goes behind the scenes, it's really helped me now just reaching out to to other people who have synergenic businesses and um, potential potential partnerships and everything else and actually doing that somewhat kind of cold calling or cold emailing that I think that really helped me that experience there and it doesn't matter whether I went into radio or not it's more so about this like I mean the tiniest of skills that you actually learn which later on I could go into any interview and be like well I actually had cold calling experience which is kind of a little bit of a terrifying thing but I mean, you you do your first one and you sound like, yeah, you sound awkward and everything else, but then you build up that momentum which and gain that confidence, which is also what happened when I did the MC work at the Australian Grand Prix. Hmm. I love how you had that mindset at the time that I'm not in this to, you know, pursue this potential, you know, career path. I just want to learn skills. And that is something that, Know, we don't all have and I think we can really we can really learn from you in terms of, in that respect so I want to go into your work now so obviously you're, you've set up shop in New York which is phenomenal um, talk to us a bit about how the idea for hum came about um, you know how it's progressed since you came came up with the idea and obviously launched your business and yeah we'll start with those two questions so it was a confluence of a few events it I remember I remember it's actually funny I remember now when I was in about year nine year ten and I was driving down the road with my mom all of a sudden I thought I was like I have no it was a Saturday night and I was going to a 16th birthday party or something and I was like I have nothing to wear and I was like how cool would it be if I could look up a map or something like that and I could see all the girls that had particular dresses around me in the area and I could just drive over to her house and pick it up. I mean, that was a very unrefined, I mean, idea that obviously it's um, transgressed into what it is now. But that was, that was my initial thought and I didn't really think about it for, for a couple of years after that. And then... I mean, another one of the biggest kind of light bulb moments was I was seeing so many of my girlfriends buy all of these insane clothes. And one of my girlfriends would would spend a lot of money trying to look good and trying to not almost fit in, but I mean, just kind of have those new up-to-date clothing, which I mean, at, at the stage that we're in, like, I mean, everyone wants to, everyone wants to have those new fashion pieces and everyone wants to look and feel, it's not so much about fitting in, but it's about feeling confident in yourself. And I think that's something that fashion can really do to a person. And so, but I mean, with spending money on fashion, I mean, there's, there's the money that you should, as every parent would say, what you should be spending it on. Being, going, I don't know, whether it's saving to do your university degree or whether you're living out of home or preparing to move out of home or starting a new business or traveling. And I wanted, um, that was kind of my, my light bulb moment where I was like, 
I was looking at these, I don't know, Louis Vuitton bags or, I mean, Gucci shoes or Zimmerman, I don't know, really high and nice jumpsuits or whatnot. And I was like, I would always see that as, oh, that's like a Europe fight for me. And I would always end up not buying it. And I was very fortunate enough where my mum my had an insane closet, which even though I was half a size smaller than her in shoes, I couldn't wear her amazing shoes. But I mean, I took everything from the coats, dresses, bags, everything and jewelry. And that was kind of a moment where I was like, I want to create something where women don't need a budget for a designer dress, where they can use their savings on what they actually want to do and not wear. So um, that that actually, the idea came about to me just through, through, I mean, a series of events over the years. And I was having a chat with someone about two years ago now and saying, oh, I've always had this had this idea and I was like it's an app and they were like oh stop talking <laughs> right there and I was like no 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 like I mean and then I explained it and um they were like wow that's actually it's actually a good idea <laughs> and, and from there um I mean the what has happened over the last two years and how much it's been refined and everything else but I mean it's it's really for those for those girls out there and those those customers that creating something where if I can if people can monetize their house, they can monetize their car. I mean, they can even rent out their pet for the day now. I mean, why why the hell can't women monetize the assets hanging in their closet? Love that. So I love hearing about um, how it all started, but you did mention to me earlier that um, there was a side foundation of your organization. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, so actually the reason why I called it HUM was because one, I'm not the biggest fan of lend or rent. And I wanted to eliminate that that HUM moment that women feel when they're out shopping and they see that amazing high-end garment and every woman out there can relate in this moment where you walk up to it and you check the price tag and of course it's over your budget and then you have that mental internal debate being like do I buy this do I not eat for the next week I mean that's my Europe savings and etc and so I wanted to create something where that that hum moment that is that that kind of fork in the road is eliminated where women can that you can have both and so that's where it really it really came into that that kind of essence of women doing what they love and looking sexy as hell and amazing and confident and beautiful while doing it. And that was something that I really related to. So our side, um, that was kind of when our, our side foundation came to life called the Hum Foundation, where 10% of our profits go to the, the foundation. And we also showcase once a month uh, empowering female um, influencer or celebrity. And we actually rent out their their closet for um, for the month and all the proceeds go towards the foundation so we're actually lucky enough to have some incredible um, influences um, Steph Claire Smith being one of them and Lisa Hamilton from Sea Want Shop and um, something Navy Ariel as well have um, from New York here have come on board which is which is really exciting which um, so the foundation um, is where women submit their their business plans and we issue financial grants to them biannually to to help um, help these striving female entrepreneurs thrive, 
And that was something that I really related to where, I mean, I wanted something where I could know that I can buy that high fashion outfit and rent it out and make break even or even make a profit off it and use my savings on, I mean, going out there and doing what I actually want to do. And it was something that I, I wish I had. And so it's not only so much just a fashion app, but it, the branding behind it and kind of our mantra is, is creating something where you're not only eliminating that hum moment that you feel in the department store, but it's eliminating that sense of doubt in terms of actually going after what you want and to eliminate that that hum moment where it's like should I really start this business or not and it's like go write your business plan apply to accelerators or raise money or use your savings and get started just do it and that was something that I, I really wanted to embody and we've had some amazing um, influences and empowering females come on board to help support that, um, not only their fans and followers, but also these these striving female entrepreneurs, which is something that I'm, I'm really proud of and really excited to, to start creating and get the ball rolling on. Wow, Mackenzie, I can only imagine that sounds incredible just to be part of that network of women and to feel empowered by, you know, the women who, who you're potentially allowed to borrow things from their wardrobe, which is just phenomenal. Being their Um, shoes for the night. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That, that is, wow, that's amazing. So I just want to take a moment now to um, appreciate the awesome work that you're doing and to congratulate you on your journey. Um, You're, your your path the, the path that you've taken has really it's really awesome to listen to and it's I can tell it's really taken many twists and turns um but you know the impact you're having on the world is is big already so I'm so excited to to, to continue on to can you continue to follow your journey and to see what happens next um so that brings me to my second last question which is how does it feel like to be a young entrepreneur who is on their own time, who is, you know, creating something that's really meaningful and, yeah, who is, who is just making a difference in the world? I think it's... I think I really... I mean, I get really excited and to, to be able to, to create something that, that has such a deeper meaning than just renting out your closet or just renting something for the weekend. And I knew that there was that market there and I knew there was girls out there that wanted a platform like this. So I've been always at the forefront of everything we do with our customers and our user base. But yeah, being over here has has really been amazing. And I mean, as as an entrepreneur, I've learned an incredible wealth of information and have met with some amazing people. And it has definitely been, I mean, what drives me is is creating something like this for for our user base and our customers and the market out there that that really wants this. But um, definitely could not be more thankful to to like all of my network that I've created over here, my mentors, whether it be back in Australia or here. And, and that really, that, that passion and those, those other elements really drives me to wake up every morning and be excited to jump into it. And I think once you get started, 
the more work you do, the more work that you realize that you have to do. So there's, there's always something that I need to be working on and touching on. So it's great. It's fast paced. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's, it's nerve wracking and overwhelming and it's a roller coaster, but it's, it's the, I mean, it, it really is a, it really has been such an amazing experience and yeah, I'm excited for what's to come. I always love hearing what our entrepreneurs say when I ask that question because I think it really does, you know, just contextualize and just allow us to reflect on what it actually means to become a founder and to just do something different. So I I, I really appreciate the conversation we're having here today, Mackenzie, and um I just I feel like that leads on so perfectly to to my my last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Pierce Project, and that is, what do you think is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think the value is is a lot of things. I think it's it's knowledge. It's um, creating a, a beautiful network it's it's I mean doing something that you love which encompasses self-validation and to me I mean I've been very fortunate to have such a incredible supportive network around me that is really and I've also created a, I mean expanded on that network by by reaching out and connecting with new people but also taking that time to to celebrate those small wins. I think, I mean, as a as a founder, I, I put my no- nose to the grindstone every day, and don't really have you don't really have a whole lot of time to really look up and and see where you've come. And I think that's really important. And I think that's the essence of of self validation. Taking the time to, I mean, it's not about the it is about the numbers and everything else, but. It's about the, the wealth of knowledge that you've, you've gained along the way, the people that you've connected with, and then also that like, satisfaction of serving, serving your customers and your audience. And um, yeah, so that, that's something that has been really important to me and something that I value above anything else. I love that. Wow, this conversation has been so insightful and thought-provoking as I imagined it would be. Um, So where can people learn more about you and your work? So you can check out Hum by downloading it from the App Store. Uh, It's H-U-M-M with a period, full stop for you Australians. And you can check out our website at humofficial.com. And you can also feel free to shoot me an email if you have any questions at mackenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, at humofficial.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mackenzie. It's been it's been phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Of course. Great. And for all of our listeners, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app 
where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.